about 50 miles south of Baghdad can be found the ruins of Etemenanki, a gigantic ziggurat. The ziggurat may have been destroyed by Sennacherib of the Assyrians. Centuries later, the Babylonians conquered the nation of Judah and took many of its residents into exile. The captive Jews would only ever have seen what remained of a once great structure. How could it be that the seemingly invincible Babylonian conquerors once lost control of a structure so tall that legend said it aspired to reach the heavens? How indeed, wondered the Jews. Time to start telling unflattering stories about our oppressors. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. What a compelling first line for a story or a novel or all of human history. Of course, the story of the Tower of Babel didn't literally happen. Language came to human beings in various ways all around the planet, and that is why there are many languages. But origin myths lead us into a much larger world than the literal. In this story, we find a battle of wills between the clever but foolish created beings and their all-powerful, all-loving, but frankly fed-up creator. The kids have gotten out of hand, so the parent steps in with drastic measures, measures that will set the course of action for eons. The genius of the ancient Jews was to tell stories that were not just for them, but for the entire world. Their stories did not extol the greatness of the Jews, but of the one and only God. When God spoke, things just happened. God spoke the whole universe into existence. Word was the same as deed. In the very speaking, the action was accomplished. Let there be light. Let us make humankind in our image. Let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. God has spoken and God has acted. This is the Jewish claim. In his book, The Miracle of Dialogue, Ruel Howe wrote this, The wonder is not that communicating is as difficult as it is, but that it occurs as much as it does. Just a casual glance at social media should be enough to tell us that the story of the Tower of Babel is true. Not literal, but true. We are scattered over the face of the earth. And even when we do speak the same language, we don't necessarily understand one another. Fast forward. From the Tower of Babel, out of mythical prehistorical time and into literal time, it's springtime. The Jewish festival of weeks, 50 days after the Passover, when the first fruits of the wheat harvest are presented. This year's Passover had held devastating significance for the followers of an itinerant rabbi named Jesus. Devastating and glorious as the crucified man had returned to them strangely, mystically, appearing and disappearing yet still undeniably enfleshed. 
According to Luke, after 40 days, Jesus ascended, never again to be seen in that same resurrected body. But first, he promised his disciples that if they would just wait for a bit, they would soon be given new power from God. At the feast of the first fruits, everything changed. The language barrier established at Babel developed giant cracks and then collapsed dramatically. God has spoken and God has acted. God has visited the ruins of our hopeless, abandoned projects and begun building something new in their place. The disciples once baptized in water, are now baptized as well with the Holy Spirit and with fire to go out and speak and act like God does to bring reconciliation to the unlikeliest places and people. The power that had previously been concentrated in a single Messiah is now spreading to all of humanity. That is the purpose of the church. Now, this may not be self-evident to you. We don't always see God acting in the world. And indeed, far too often, we see the church acting against God's way of love. This, then, is a very long-term project. Those of us who gather week in and week out for worship are practicing. We're practicing a growing trust in God rather than merely in our own abilities. We are trying to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit. This is a good chunk of what the baptized are supposed to do. Get out of the way so the divine flame can spread. As we practice our faith over the course of a lifetime, we will go through times of success and times of failure, phases of optimism and phases of discouragement, moments of feeling in sync with the church, and moments of wondering why we bother. The very idea that God could bestow power on a church to use and abuse as it sees fit is unsettling. But when we get off track, we always have a point of focus to return to. Have I been with you all this time, Jesus asks Philip, and you still do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. This is the Christian claim. Keep looking to Jesus and you'll know what God is like, how God acts in the world, and how we are to follow. And so, today, we baptize. We will baptize Elias into the body of Christ. The action we take today does not make Elias acceptable to God. That's already a foregone conclusion. No, this baptism is a sacrament. It's an action we undertake with God to demonstrate to everyone what God is already doing. Elias will grow and learn, and as he does, he will continue to bring more of God's love into the world, acting on the power that the Holy Spirit is implanting in him. We will baptize Elias today, but we won't stop there. We will formally welcome several new members into our congregation as well. Ashley, Jane, Ken, Donna, and Sarah have said, yes, we want Good Shepherd to be our Christian community for this phase of our lives. 
We will promise to continue to welcome them and help them find ways to deepen and grow among us, to use their spirit-inspired gifts, to change the very fabric of our congregation in new, creative ways. But we won't stop there either. Mark, Jenny, Jim, Jess, and Berkeley have been on a journey since January, a journey called The Way, that culminated with formal rites of confirmation and reception at St. Mark's Cathedral, where they all became Episcopalians. At the end of today's service, they will share with us briefly the first fruits of this process for them, the areas where they feel the Holy Spirit tugging on them, drawing them from words into action. So yes, we're doing a lot today. Every celebration of Holy Eucharist is a celebration of both word and action. We share the cherished words of Scripture that we receive as God speaking into our hearts. And then we act, sharing a feast intended to break down the barriers of language, culture, politics, assumptions, misunderstandings. In the earliest centuries of the church, the priest would say, Even as this broken bread was scattered over the hills and was gathered together and became one, so let your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. So Holy Eucharist, too, is a sacrament. We don't make God act in our Eucharistic feast. No, we hold a feast with God to demonstrate the regathering action the Holy Spirit is already undertaking. Today is the birthday of the church, the day when the damage done at the Tower of Babel began to come undone and a fire of love began to spread throughout the world. That fire is still spreading today and we at Good Shepherd are a small and vital part of it. The God of word and action is urging us onward. So let's move now too from word to action. Thank you.